the second chapter, and I'm going to stay and make, make about three points from that chapter that I will believe will be a blessing. Look at somebody and say, I am a Deuteronomer, and I have come to Deuteronomize. I am a Deuteronomer, and I have come to Deuteronomize. Thirty-five times in the book of Deuteronomy, it tells us to possess the land. Thirty-five times in this incredible book of, of blessing, it tells us to possess the land. And this morning, if I ever felt that I was on, on time with a timely word, I feel like this morning is that time. Some of you have come in the altars to pray this morning. Some of you are reaching out, and I felt like that God has a word for you and the word is found in Deuteronomy the second chapter and the third verse then the Lord said unto me are you there everybody there you've compassed are you ready Deuteronomy 2 you have compassed this mountain long enough turn you northward you have passed this mountain long enough turn you northward we understand that God is speaking to a generation that has been brought out of somewhere look at somebody and say he brought me out to take me in there's a reason why God took you from where you were because God wants to take you someplace you've never been and we've heard the cliche from Dr. Murdoch to be something you've never been you've got to do something you've never done there are three things that I'm going to leave with you today, a process that as you begin this process, it could promote you or it could take you to the next place that God wants you to be. The Word of God tells us that God looked upon us and saw us in our feebleness. He saw us in our nakedness. He saw us in our afterbirth that nobody had bathed us. Nobody had cut the umbilical cord. Nobody wrapped us in any kind of garments. And God saw us and had compassion on us and came to where we're. he left the splendor of heaven and came to earth so that we could leave earth and go to the splendor of heaven. The Bible says, for he who was rich was made poor, that for your sake you who were poor could be made rich. What a switch. What a transition that God wants to take you where you're at right now and take you to the place that he's promised for you. Jeremiah 29 and 11 says, I know the plans I have for you. They are good plans, plans to bless you and plans to prosper you. And in this journey, in this walk that we're on, there are bumps in the road. There are, there are things that happen that we don't understand, we don't agree with, we don't like, but you will begin to learn that all of the bumps in the road are a part of a journey. It's a test that you are given, and when you pass the test, you're given a testimony. And the Bible says only two things overwhelm the enemy, and that's the blood of the Lamb and your testimony. When you begin to share what God has done for you, it immediately ties into the heart of God. God comes to where you are. God begins to anoint your conversation, and you're touching the very heart of those that are hurting and wounded. They may not look like they're hurting and wounded. Maybe, maybe wearing the nicest clothes, driving the nicest cars, have the nicest jewelry, the perfect makeup. I so much appreciate what Newt Gingrich said yesterday concerning some accusations made against him. He looked at it, several hundred people and he said, everyone in this room has had some hurt. Everyone in this room has, 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 has obtained some pain. Every one of us have, have been wounded. Bad things happen to good people. 
And if you're here today and you feel like some bad things have happened, then you're probably qualified this morning for a promotion. Look at somebody and say, I'm qualified for a promotion. God's going to take me from where I am and take me to where he wants me to be. I remember right at the very window that Pastor Rhonda left Southern California and went to and came here and rolled in Lee and we were divorced for three years and I remember that I gave my heart to the Lord that Sunday night it wasn't it wasn't just maybe a few weeks later that the Imperials which at that time was one of the number, the number one Christian bands in the world the, the Imperials produced a, a, a brand new album and there was a song on there entitled I'm not sure what the, the song's entitled but the words say this he didn't bring us this far to leave us he didn't teach us to swim to let us drown he didn't build a home in us to move away he didn't lift us up to let us down God is a keeper of promises God is a keeper of his prophetic word the word says in Haggai write the vision down put, pokes it somewhere put it in plain sight and know that to the very extremity that word is going to come to pass and you don't you don't know where it's coming from you know how it's going to take place the Bible says that God told them to dig ditches he told them you will not see a cloud you will not hear thunder you will not see lightning but in the morning they got up and the ditches were full of water God will provide what you need in his time and his season all we've got to be careful not to do is to abort the vision to abort the baby to walk away before God has completed the work that he has begun in us and all that is about season, all that's about timing. There, there are some in this building that you may have already graduated from this word and you've gone to the, to the next level, next place. There may be some that aren't quite ready to take that step. I'm, I'm reminded um, of a 10-year-old girl on her way to school, saw a mud puddle, and in the mud puddle there was a frog. And she was one of those tomboy kind of girls, so she picked the frog up. She was headed to school. All of a sudden, the frog began to talk. Hey. I'm a prince. If you kiss me, I'll, I'll, I'll turn into a prince. She walked on to school. A few minutes later, the frog said, hey, you didn't hear me. I'm a prince. And if you'll kiss me, I'll turn into a prince. So but the third time that he reminded her that he was a prince, if she would kiss him, he would turn to a prince. She looked at him and said, I'm only 10. I don't need a, a prince. But a talking frog? <laughs> that had absolutely nothing to do with the, the message but someone bet me ten dollars I couldn't work it in so there it is it is worked in and I've accomplished there there are there are there are see there are seasons in our life that God actually transitions us into new levels and we all know the cliche new levels new devils but the stronger you get with God the more weapons he gives you there was a game that, that came out when Pac-Man came out, and it was, I think it was called Asteroid, and, and, and you would shoot these things that, that would come down, and, and as you shot a certain amount, you, you were added double power, double machine guns, and you would you begin to double your power. And the more you walk with God, and the more you become intimate with God, the more secret weapons, the more things that God will give you to restrain and to restrict the, the attack and the, and the response of the enemy. And here's what God is saying to many of you in this place this morning. You've walked around your mountain long enough. This mountain has been a distraction long enough. You've walked around it long enough. There's some place I want to take you. There's some things I want to do in your life. Look at somebody and say, he's preaching good now. There was a promise that God gave Abraham. God said, your seed is going to be as the sands of the sea the stars of the of, of the of the sky that's the promise that God made Abraham 
but ironically Abraham only had one son he did not have thousands and hundreds of sons like the sands of the sea or the stars of the sky but God watched that seed and God watched that generation and through the ministry of Joseph a spoiled brat a tattletale that got thrown into a prison God promoted him got thrown into another prison God promoted him through the ministry of Joseph a godless king has a dream does not understand the dream it, it tears him up he tells all of his staff if you don't tell me the interpretation of this dream I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tie to the stake and burn you alive and how many of that motivates you if someone said if you don't come up with this I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to skin you alive that, that would motivate well all of a sudden everybody got motivated to find the answer to this dream and then all of a sudden the the butler remembered aren't you glad there are seasons in your life when god will remember you when 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 noah was afloat for almost 12 months and that i cannot even imagine to tell you what that smelled like i mean i mean i mean dog dung is bad enough i don't know what elephant dung would smell like but to be on that boat for all those months to smell all those bad things but in genesis 8 and 1 the bible says that god remembered noah god remembers faithfulness god rewards faithfulness god rewards consistency god will bless consistency 22 years ago december 26 god birthed this church and in the middle of that birthing, God allowed a man by the name of Jack Abram to come to, to our fellowship and to teach us how to pray. And the story, the, the story behind the book is that Larry Lee wrote a book, Could You Not Tarry One Hour? Both of us read the book, teach, teach how to pray the names of God. And we had this, we had this man of God come to our, our staff and teach this to about 30 of us. And what was so ironic, he began to share his testimony. He was simply an elder in the church. He, he did not pastor. He had a secular job. But every morning at 6 a.m., he would come and pray with this pastor. They did it over a year. One morning, God spoke to the senior pastor and said, your message needs to go global. And he looked at this guy that's been praying with him every single morning at 6 a.m. and said, Jack, I want you to take this message globally. And Jack, who was just an elder, just a prayer partner with the pastor, all of a sudden finds himself in the nicest churches, in the nicest motels, ministering to the nicest people because God had a purpose and a plan for his life. Why? Because he was consistent. He was faithful. And we watch the consistency of Joseph. And we see Joseph bringing his father and 11 brothers into the land of Egypt. And you know the story that they got the very best land, the land of Goshen, where there were rivers and streams and springs. And it was a very fertile. It was a great place to live. And as, as dad died, the brothers thought that Joseph was going to take them out. But Joseph went to them and said this, What you intended for evil, God has worked for good. And he blessed his brothers. He blessed the family. They went in 70. Look at somebody said they went in 70. They came, in, they came out somewhere between 3 to 5 million people. And can you imagine God planting a seed in Egypt and then God miraculously bringing them out of Egypt into the promised land? And, and, the, and the journey from Egypt to the promised land was only 11 days. I've been doing restoration a long time. I've been doing drug and alcohol restoration a long time. And I've learned if you can quit anything for 11 days, you can quit it for the rest of your life. Hear, hear that very clear. If you can, if you can discipline yourself and, and, you can, and you can talk and convince yourself not to do something that's hurting you or harming you, and you can do it for 11 days, the, the chances are you will not go back to that vomit. And, and, and amen. You won't go back to that monster. 
and you'll find yourself a lot richer. Come on, I need some people help me here. You, you've related how, how much your alcohol was, your drugs were, your cigarettes were, and when God delivered you, he had all this extra money to put in the offering on Sunday morning. How cool, how cool isn't, it, isn't it cool how God works like that? God gave them a promise. God told them that he would bring them out of bondage into the promised land. Joseph was so positive that this promise was going to take place, he said this, don't bury me in a pyramid. And you got to remember, Joseph's Pharaoh was one of the, the pyramids of Egypt you can go. I actually almost got arrested when I went to Egypt with Marcus and Joni. I didn't know that the Sphinx and the pyramids were holy. I proceeded to start climbing that, that, that little sign that says do not I mean that means nothing to somebody from California that surfs with sharks I mean that meant I went under that sign I started climbing all of a sudden there were three or four guards come over and we, we thought we were going to jail I don't know if Jonas ever told you that but we thought we were I mean it, it was very serious they are very irritated and of course you know forgiveness is a lot easier to get the permission I just played give them that look you know I'm sorry I'm just a dumb California I didn't know anything and they let me live they let me go but that pyramid was where Joseph should have been sequestered. He was the number two man in the kingdom. When he died, he, desired, he, he, he deserved a Pharaoh's burial. But he said, no, don't put me in a pyramid. Leave my bones in a box because you're going to leave this land. And when you leave this land, I want to be buried in Bethlehem with my mother. And every day when those those Israelites walked past that box and saw those bones it reminded them that even though he was dead and in heaven he believed in the promise of God he believed in the faithfulness of God and his faithfulness in his death how cool is that inspired people every day to realize I'm in this world but not of this world I'm looking for a city that has foundations whose builder and maker is God I don't belong here there's a place that God has called me to be and I'm headed home that's that's where I'm headed I'm on a journey and I'm going to complete this journey and I'm going to find that place that God has for me in that journey in that walk there's a whole bunch of things that God wants to do for you if you look at Deuteronomy 28 and, and you don't have to go there you can trust me when I tell you that in Deuteronomy 28 there are 14 verses of blessing we quote it we share it we study it several have done a, a dissertation on this there are books written about the blessing of God blessings were so powerful that when Esau realized that, jo that, that Jacob had stolen his blessing, he found himself in a, in a season of dire straits. He found himself frustrated, angry, and he went to his dad, and he said, don't you have a blessing for me? And the dad did, did find something, uh, some leftovers, and did give him a mountain, and you'll read later how God told the people of Israel not to march against that mountain because that was Esau's inheritance. But there was so much so much. Uh, belief in the power of the blessing that when Jacob got ready to bless the sons of Joseph you know the story of Manasseh and Ephraim Ephraim Manasseh means the Lord has caused me to forget Ephraim means the Lord has blessed me and when Jacob went to bless Manasseh and Ephraim he crossed his hands and he put one hand on the head of the younger and blessed him he gave the younger the blessing of the older the older the blessing of the younger and Joseph said wait a minute dad you're 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 losing your sight you're you lost your grip. You got Alzheimer's. You got the wrong son. But he did not have the wrong son. Listen, when you come to God and you give your heart to the Lord, he gives you the ability to begin to forget the hurts, the pain, the memory, the frustration, all the bad things that happened in the world. All of a sudden, 
old things are passed away, all things become new. And when you realize who you are in Christ and no longer can your past manipulate you or determine your outcome, then all of a sudden the Lord Ephraim comes on the scene and you realize you're blessed going in, you're blessed going out, your head not the tail, all the things that God has for you. But I count, I did this on purpose. I counted these scriptures. This is scary. The scriptures of blessing total 14. But then when you look at the scriptures that talk about if you do not honor God, you do not follow his law, you do not honor his statutes, there are 54 scriptures of cursing that comes upon you when you disobey the things of God. So let me ask, what would you rather have, the 14 verses of blessing or the 54 blessings, uh, verses of curse? We want the very best that God has for us, and you've got to know that God is no respecter of person, but God realized that sometimes we get on a wheel. Help me. When I was about 12 or 13, we had hamsters, and they, they were so cool because hamsters are greedy. They will eat way more than they can actually get in their tummy, and their faces get all puffed out, kind of like we get bit by a swath, like your face swells up. Well, a, a hamster will, if you, whatever food you put out, that hamster will try to get it in his mouth. It looks so stupid. Got both of his face, his face looks like a swollen. And then he will get on a wheel. And he'll go round and round and round and round. And he will do it for hours. And I'm sure that he's, I'm sure that he's exercising. And I'm sure that he's healthy. But he's, but he's absolutely getting nowhere in life. And I believe a lot of us, sometimes we get stuck on a wheel. We're in a place where we keep doing the same thing. We go round and round and round. And sometimes the same demons, help me, the same monsters, the same things that messed with us when we were 18 are now messing with us when we are 38. And you would think that we would have grown a little. You'd think that we would have matured a little. You'd think that we would have accomplished some things. And here's what God says in Deuteronomy. It's an 11-day journey. 11 days. They marched for 40 years and never found what they were looking for. In that 40 years, God met every single one of their needs. There are places on earth that if you're not careful, and I've been to two of them, there are places, if you're not careful, if you don't take the right amount of water and you don't take the right amount of gas, you could lose your life. But in this wilderness where there were, there were animals that would devour them, in this wilderness where there, was no, there were no rivers, there were no lakes, there were no streams, in this river where there was, no, there was no food whatsoever, every day God allowed quail and manna to fall upon the earth. And they, they, they went out every day with the exception of the Sabbath, and God fed them, God blessed them. When they got to a place where there was no water, God created a river in the desert and water began to flow. When, when, when they did not have any seamstress, they didn't have a Hobby Lobby to go buy any material, God allowed the sandals to grow with their feet. God allowed the robe to grow with their body and they never had to purchase. You, you read it. The Bible says for 40 years, their clothes did not wear out. For 40 years, the transmission did not fall out of their car. For 40 years, they were not audited by the IRS. For 40 years, they never went to emergency room. Come on, I'm preaching good this morning. That's the favor and the consistency of God in your life. That's why the statement was made by Joshua, choose you this day who you will serve. At a time of contention when the sons of Korah tried to take over the authority of Moses, and Moses said, let God, let God determine who's right and who's wrong. And the Bible says the earth swallowed up the sons of Korah. 70,000 died in one moment because they tried to contend against God. Jo Joshua made this statement, choose you this day who you will serve 
as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. In Deuteronomy, the second chapter, you find a generation that all of the men have died. All the guys are gone. All the warriors are dead, with the exception of Joshua and Caleb. And God begins to speak to Joshua in the first chapter of Joshua. And you know the, the promise there in the eighth verse. God tells Joshua to not let the word of God leave his mouth to do those works, to, to follow up on the word of God. And if he does those things, he shall be prosperous and have good success. You know the story that Joshua wanted this book of the law. Watch this. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night that thou mayest observe and do according to all that is written. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous and thou shalt have good success. Look at someone and say, good success. Is there bad success? Absolutely. I know people sell pills for a living. They got all the toys, all the, all the money, all the Lamborghinis, all the fancy cars, all that stuff. But they can lose it in a moment. I know people that have millions of dollars that they'll get some kind of disease in their body and no amount of money. Rock Cousins will tell you, spent a million dollars trying to get cured and he died a young man because money could not, could not save him and could not heal him. I'm glad today that we're plugged into the promises and the favor and the blessing of God that we have this Deuteronomy promise that says, okay, guys, you've circled the mountain long enough. Notice, notice verse... I don't want to go there yet. Okay, go, go with me to Joshua, the third chapter and the fifth verse. Joshua's right before Judges. Did you find that Amos 9 on the, in the message? Okay, let, let me do this. Today, look at somebody say today, could be the last day I go to sleep feeling defeated. Today could be the last day I go to sleep with an unsaved husband. Today could be the last day I go to sleep broke. Tomorrow. The sun will come out tomorrow. Bet your bottom dollar on tomorrow. Tomorrow, I love you. You're only, watch this, watch this. You're only a day away from your breakthrough. You're only a day away from your miracle. You're only a day away from your deliverance. You're only a day away from your victory. Amos 9, is that verses 13 through 15? 12 to 15, I'm sorry. Let's see what, what the Living Bible has to say. Amos 9, chapter 9, verse 12 through 15. We got it? I did not bring the... Uh, let's do this. That they may possess the remnant of Edom and of all the heathen which are called by my name, saith the Lord, that doeth this. Verse 13. Behold, the days come, watch this, saith the Lord, that the plowman shall overtake the reaper and the tread of grapes him that soweth seed, and the mountain shall drop sweet wine, and the hill shall melt. Next verse. And I will bring again the captive of my people of Israel, and they shall build their waste cities and inhabit them, and they shall plant vineyards and drink wine thereof, and they shall also make gardens and eat the fruit of them. Verse 15. 
and I will plant them upon their land and they shall no more be pulled up by their land which I have given them saith the Lord thy God what an incredible promise that the word of God says the day is coming when God is going to establish you in his kingdom the word tells us in 1 Corinthians the 12th chapter that, the, that God has given gifts and fruits to the body you know all the gifts the word of knowledge the word of wisdom all the things and we know that God has given the body apostles prophets teachers evangelists and pastors it also says ministers of helps and governments and then ask the question do all prophesy someone say no are all apostles no are all pastors no desire the best gift you know the two things they left out the ministry of helps and the ministry of government one of the main things that seems to be out of order in our lives today is the establishment of the man of God in the family doing what the man of God needs to do. Am I helping anybody? We're in a generation where it seems like that men have abandoned their family. They've abandoned their children. They've abandoned the things that God told them and spoke to them to do. That's why God raises up a church that we are to take on the orphan. Hello. We are to take on the widow, and we are to represent that structure that God ordained because if we will do what God's called us to do, the Bible said in the last days, he will turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children and the hearts of the children back to the father. That is a promise that God said would take place in the last days, that there would be a season that, that families would not break up in divorce, be a season when families would not dissipate and go through all kinds of financial crunch, that they would survive, they would establish and be blessed. Someone say praise the Lord. Joshua, the third chapter, the fifth verse. Are you there? Do we have it on the, on the marquee? Watch this. And Joshua said unto the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow, look at somebody say tomorrow, the Lord will do wonders among you. I love what T.D. Jake says when he gets excited. Dr. Paul Walker, when he gets excited, he says, Amen, Amen, and Amen. I remember that. T.D. Jake says, Get ready, get ready, get ready. We find this promise of God telling us something's going to happen tomorrow that's going to knock your socks off. Watch, if you will, the progression. They get ready to come out of the land of Egypt. God tells them to kill a lamb to sacrifice it, to eat it, to apply the blood on the post and the two side posts and let the blood hit the ground and create a bloodline that that night the death angel could not enter in. And that night everyone was healed. God brings him out of Egypt healthy and whole. But for the next 40 years, watch guys, important. All they do is complain. They complain about everything. They complain about the food. They complain about the, remember the joke I told three weeks ago about the monk? Never mind. That, that's, 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 all, that's all that they griped and fussed and, and were, were in contentions. And God, God just got over it. God said, you're a stiff-necked people. How many of you ever tried to pick up a lizard? You ever pick up a lizard? What did a lizard do? It, tur it, it turned his neck around. I, I, I tried to bite you. How many of you ever grabbed a whole a child tried to correct it by the back? What did they do? Anybody know? They try, to they try to shrug you off. And God said, I've tried to correct you. I've tried to bless you. I've tried to sustain you. But all you do is reject me, and all you do is gripe. 
So when God brought them out of Egypt to get ready for, the, for what he had for them, he said, this is what I want you to do. I want you to sanctify the people because tomorrow I'm going to do something incredible. How many knows what the word sanctify means? Anybody? It means to be set apart to allow God to walk you, walk you through a process of restoration or healing or favor or blessing. Am I helping anybody? I know that there are people in my life that have hepatitis B and C because they use a dirty needle. I'm so glad that any nurse that walks into my room to give me take blood or whatever, they use a brand new needle. I see them open the pack. Am I relating to anybody in this house? Before a doctor will use an instrument, he will sterilize it. He will wash it. He'll put alcohol on it. He'll get rid of all the poisons, all the germs, so that when he cuts you, those weapons are not polluted and they're not dirty. Here's what God is telling you, that when you give your heart to God and you step into the process of sanctification, things begin to change. If all you do is keep circling your mountain and you never, you never get to a place where you can be discipled, mentored, trained, prepared, used, if you, if, you, if, you ne if you never take that next step, you're like the person that God came and cleaned their house out and ran off all the unclean spirits and that person enjoyed that moment, enjoyed that thrill, but never did anything to put furniture back in her house. How many knows that you need furniture in your house? How many knows you need an altar of sacrifice that you daily lay down your life and you give your heart to God? How many know that you need the menorah, the light of God, to direct you in the, the way you should go? How many knows you need the table of showbread? You need to eat, taste and see that the Lord is good and eat the things that God has for you. How many knows that you need an altar of apothecary where your fragrance and your worship goes up to where God's at? How many knows you need an ark of the covenant with a rod that continues to bud and, and, and bread that's not mold or mildew? The word of God will exist forever you need to furnish your house but if you don't make if you don't have an altar of, of sacrifice of praise if you don't eat the word of God if you don't let the lot of God direct you if you don't worship and praise if you don't step into the holy of holies and ask and expect a, a breakthrough you won't get it you become old and weary and moldy and you begin to make excuses why you're not where you're supposed to be am I helping anybody the Bible says this when that unclean spirit swept out he wanders around looking for a body to occupy. And if he can't find a body to occupy, he'll find five or six of his friends, and they will come back and move into your house so that the latter state is worse than the former state. Can anybody relate? I know, I know people that, that, that tried their best to serve God, tried to turn things around, and when they backslid, they would go into a, another level of perversion. Am I helping anybody? Another, another level of what the enemy has. There's only, there's only one spirit of perversion. But he has about seven or eight arms. He has the arms of drugs, the arms of alcohol, the arms of embezzlement, the arms of, of gambling, the arms of lottery, the arms of pornography, the arms of addiction. It's all, it's all one monster like an octopus, and he has all these different arms. And we spend a lot of our time hacking and whacking at the arm when God has given us the ability to take the sword of the Spirit and stick this octopus right between the eye, shut him down, let, let him be destroyed, and then walk in the favor and blessings of God. It's called deliverance. It's called a breakthrough, and he is the God of the breakthrough, and he wants to do different things in your life. Watch this. Joshua 5 and 8. So the process is stop circling your mountain, expect a breakthrough, sanctify yourself, and then a word 
that a lot of people shy away from, and we're not going to shy away if we're all PG here. Verse 7. Remember, everyone has died off. Only the children, the second generation remains. And their children whom he raised up in their stead, them Joshua circumcised, for they were uncircumcised because they had not circumcised him by the way. And it came to pass when they had done circumcising all the people that they abode in the places in the camp till they were whole. And the Lord said to Joshua, This day I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt off of you, wherefore the name of this place is called Gilgal until this day. The children of Israel dwelt there for 14 days. Now notice verse 11. And they did eat of the, that word should be ripe, of the old corn of the land on the morrow. Look at somebody and say, tomorrow. Unleavened bread and parched corn. That word parched means cooked, roasted, in the selfsame day. Watch this. When Moses got ready to take the children of Israel out of Egypt and head towards the promised land, God gave Moses a commandment that identifies the Jewish nation set apart from any other nation. And that's circumcision. Nations of the world, Pastor Jeff, were dying by the millions because of STD, sexually transmitted diseases. But God, when God picked Israel, he said, you're going to be set apart, you're going to be holy, you're going to be different. I'm going to give you your diets. I'm going to give you your, 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 your prayer time. I'm going to give you your devotions. I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to help you in every area of, of, of the way. And when Moses went to circumcise his two sons, his wife got all mad and got, and got mad because of what he would call, and called him a bloody man. Listen, this is a bloody gospel. This is a bloody church. The blood felt, flowed like a river from his body. And the Bible says there's a fountain filled with blood that sinners and the unclean can draw to and be refreshed. That fountain still flows. We are still a bloody church, and we will continue to sing songs about the blood. We'll continue to talk about the blood, quote the blood, because we are washed by the blood. Someone say, praise the Lord. I'm getting ready to land this plane. Acknowledge, admit, this mountain is getting old. I don't know what your mountain is. Maybe it's believing God for a husband. Maybe it's being delivered from cough syrup. But it's a mountain. And you've never climbed it. You've never removed it. Just walking around it. And you walk and you walk and you walk like a hamster in the cage. You come to church occasionally. You feed good stuff, good word, good, good testimony, good, good song. Come on. You leave, you leave that moment feeling pretty good. And you walk out and the enemy remembered the car you drove in. And he goes home with you. And before an hour is over, you're griping, you're fussing. You're playing country western music forwards, which can hurt you real bad. And you find yourself in a slump you find yourself in a rut you find yourself in a groove you find yourself stuck acknowledge that I am stuck I don't like where I'm at I don't like things manipulating me like a puppet I don't like wanting to do one thing then turn around and do, I don't want that I don't like that St stand up and make a decision I'm going to see change in my life I'm going to expect change in my life and when you make that decision then sanctify yourself several years ago a young man came to me struggling with pornography. So we begin to go through the Bible. There's some great books, great teaching helps that, that help people with that. 
And I began to ask him, I said, okay, wh why are you, wh what's, what's happening? Is it a computer? What, what is is making you struggle? He said, every day when I get off work, I stop and get a Dr. Pepper. And when I get a Dr. Pepper, there on the newspaper stand is pornographic material. And, and I look at the pornographic material and I get all messed up. And I'm thinking to myself, don't go to that store and buy a Dr. Pepper. There's all kinds of stores that don't have por pornographic material. Go to another store. So to sanctify yourself, it means you stop hanging around people that can hurt or harm you. You stop talking things that can hurt and harm you. You stop watching demonic R-rated DVDs that talk about exorcism and monsters and demons and you get a new diet you get new friends, you get new hobbies, you, you fellowship differently something changed in your life you set yourself apart and listen, it's not about, it's not about I grew up in a jewelry makeup I, I was taught if you wore jewelry wore makeup, you're going to go to hell with your back broke, it has nothing to do I promise you, it has nothing to do with outward appearance, and if Seth grows his beard down to his ankles in honor of what God has called him to do I'm going to help him braid it, hello I'm, I'm going to are you with me? so they sanctify themselves, they set themselves apart, and then they do this they eat for the first time of the land they ate the corn, the roasted corn. Somebody prepared it. They ate the corn. Notice verse 11. This is a revelation. I'm sorry, verse 12. And the manna ceased on the morrow after they had eaten of the old corn of the land. Neither had the children of Israel manna anymore, but they did of eat of the fruit of the land of Canaan that year. Look at pastor for a minute. From the cradle to the coffin, life is all about us. Restaurants, stores, gas stations, subdivisions, theaters, everything is focused to please you. We want the right climate, we want the right lights, we want the right ambiance, we want the right, we want the right setting. L little babies, we put things in the baby's nursery that won't alarm them, little toys, little, little things that make noise they get older we, we put things in their room that 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 focuses on their personality on their on, on, on their on their mindset we buy cars because it feels good it it looks good it it has a cool dash neon everything lights up we wear clothes that other people wear because we think they look good and if we wear it we will look good also am I helping anybody in the house and all of a sudden it's like it's like we're doing everything else that everybody else is doing then all of a sudden God says, you know what? You're in a rut. You've been sitting in the same chair for 11 years. You've been reading the same version of the Bible for 11 years. You've been watching the same stuff. You've been doing the same stuff. You're stuck in a rut. Here's what's going to happen. I'm going to let you taste and see. Just a little, just a little appetizer of what I have for you. And then when you taste and see what I have for you, I'm going to cut off all the things that you become dependent on. Every day they collected manna. Every day they collect this quilt. They were spoiled rotten. Are you hearing what Patrick's saying? And a lot of times, if we're not careful, we can get in that vehicle called content. We're content in our walk. We're content in our anointing. We're content in our relationship with Holy Spirit. Pastor Jeff was sharing last night, and I'll share more about it when it's documented, but that when you speak in tongues, when you worship God in that heavenly language, the same endorphins that are stimulated through 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 sex pastor jeff and what else Two, 
marijuana wow the, the same endorphins that, that are stimulated through a marijuana and having sex, those same endorphins are stimulated when you pray in tongues. No wonder Paul said, be not drunk with wine, where is it says, but be filled with the Spirit. He said, when I pray in tongues, I glorify my body. Some, are, you, are you seeing this? Something actually happens in your spirit man, in, 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 in your godly man, that you actually begin to experience a rush, a buzz. God begins to move in your life and you feel weak and you feel, and my God, you could run through a troop, you could leap over a wall, you could take on a thousand on your left, ten thousand on your right hand, and know that nothing's gonna come nigh ye, and you get this spirit of boldness and you get this attitude of I'm going forward in God. That's what God wants to do. He wants, he wants to get you off the manna, get you off the quail, because if you keep eating that the rest of your life, you'll become retarded. Our little dog spiked, there's something wrong with him. We're not sure what's wrong with him. About three months ago. He stopped eating kibbles and bits. And when I was real young, in my marijuana days, somebody tricked me. I ate some dog food, and kibble and bits ain't that bad. But for some reason, he didn't want to. How many remember that? Was it Jackie Gleason where his wife mixed up some cat food and put it in the refrigerator, and he thought it was tuna? And he, you remember seeing that, the honeymooners? And he, ate, and he, thought, he thought it was pretty good until he found out what it was. But, but the puppy won't. He won't, eat, he won't eat food anymore. And right now, the only thing he will eat is meat, and it's got to be handed to him. I'm not, I'm not exaggerating. You lay it on the ground. You've got, you, you got to feed him. And I don't know why he's in that phase, but we're going to do something about it because man shall not live by bread alone. There are things in your diet that you've got to have. And let me tell you something. To, to, to create the apothecary, there are things in your life that have to be struck that bleed for you to produce and possess. And there are bad things that happen in your life that help you along the way that make you stronger. What doesn't kill you, hello, will make you stronger. What, I, let me say it again. What doesn't kill you will make you stronger. And you begin to overcome every day a, a new process, a new problem. You get stronger and stronger. You begin to grow in the things of God. And you realize, I'm not the man I was then. I'm not, I, I, that was then. This is now. Things have changed in my life. And the things that used to overwhelm me, how many can relate, is water off my back. The things that really used to frustrate me and irritate me, they're not that important anymore. I mean, there's some people in my life, I like to write them a letter anonymously and tell them what I really think. But I'm past that now. I mean, what a waste of paper. What a waste of ink. What a waste of time. I could be doing something else instead of trying to get even. You grow, you mature. And here's what Jesus said. If they hated me, they're sure going to hate you. They try to kill me, they will try to kill you. They will take you out. But there's blessing that comes with persecution. And blessed are you when men persecute you and say all men of evil against you falsely. For my sake, for great shall be your reward. You've got to go through bad stuff to be promoted. You've got to go through bad stuff to be blessed. Right, is anybody with me in, in the building, okay? Let me land this. Let me land this place, this plane. Don't be satisfied with where you're at. It's okay to be content. There is a difference. Nine times out of ten, when my head hits the pillow that day, there's a bunch of stuff I did. There's a bunch of stuff I accomplished. There's a bunch of stuff I took care of. I never complete the list. I always put more things on the list than I can possibly do to keep me motivated, keep me going. But at the end of the day, with the exception of yesterday, 
my head hits a pillow and says, I didn't cuss today. I didn't lust. I didn't cheat. I didn't lie. I didn't embezzle. I didn't medicate. I touched some people. I blessed some people. Now, yesterday was one of those days that, that about everything that could go wrong went wrong. I went to Wendy's, got my tea, sat there in the middle, went to crossover. How many, how many of you know that you could lose your life on this road right here in between Wendy's and the freeway? It's dangerous. And I had the right-of-way, Chris, and I was taking it. And I went to take the right-of-way, and this little lady pulled, I mean, right. It's almost like she wanted to hit me and collect insurance. Pulled right out in front of me. Well, I whipped the wheel, and when I whipped the wheel, my elbow hit my iced tea, a large size, and it spilled. That wasn't the bad thing. All my favorite shirts were behind the seat. I was on my way to the cleaners. I got there. The cleaners was closed. What, what's that all about? Closed on Saturday, the most important day? What were you thinking? So I, 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 I was good. I didn't say it, but I thought, I thought something that I shouldn't, I shouldn't think because there's still sin that dwelleth in me. Can anybody relate? Don't get mad at yourself because you dropped the ball. Realize you're going to drop the ball. Let me tell you something. There are 11 guys, two Sundays from now, that they get a bonus if they cripple Tom Brady. I don't know if you know that or not. National Football League, if you put that quarterback out, you get a bonus. I don't know if it's 20000 30000 So next Sunday, we're going to be in here enjoying, having a good time. There's going to be 11 guys on that line that have one goal, and they're going to sack him, and they're going to hurt him. Yeah, they'd like to sprain his arm. Come on. They'd like for him to sprain his ankle. They'd like for him to crack a rib. Because if they put him on the bench, they'll probably win. I think it's the Ravens. Either the Ravens or the Patriots or those two teams. We don't know yet, but we'll know today, right? So, but the Patriots are already in. They're already shooting in. They're one. So whoever wins the game today. So know that every time the quarterback gets the ball, he realizes they're trying to take my head off. They're, 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 they're trying to sack me. So he used the full value of the team. He rolls the right way. He used the blocking timing. He depends on the guys on the other end to catch the ball. He depends on the fullback to hand the ball. But every play he goes into, he knows I could get crippled. we got football players now that are dying. They're getting tackled and die right there on the field. That happened twice last year. It's, 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 it's dangerous to be the quarterback. It's dangerous to carry the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ because there's people out there, they want to tear your head off. They want to shut you down. They want to discredit you. They want to burn you. And why in the world, I don't know why, all you're trying to do is good and blessing, and they want, they want to try to cripple you and criticize you and shut you down. And when the quarterback drops the ball, he doesn't go to the locker room. He doesn't go home. He goes and sits on the bench next to the coach. And the coach begins to point out a few things. Hey, you shouldn't have rolled out of the pocket. Hey, you should have thrown the ball to the, to the end instead of the halfback. And, and, the, and the coach begins to encourage him. So when he goes back out the next time, same guys are still there. Same intent and purpose. But he's got some instruction from the coach. And this time he does it the way the coach does it. And he throws six touchdown passes in one game, which is unheard of. That happened a couple of weeks ago. The Six touchdown passes, which is, which is unheard of. But you know what? He got intercepted. The greatest of the great are going to drop the ball. The greatest of the great are going to pass it and, and not realize they're, they're passing it into the hand of an enemy. But thank God for the grace of Jesus Christ, the glory of Jesus Christ, that allows us not seven times, not 70 times seven, but 700 times 700, God gives us the ability every day to get up and go on even when we drop the ball. Give the Lord a hand clap of appreciation, if you will.
Well, I'm done. Fourteen verses of blessing. Fifty-four blessing verses of negativity. The blessings are phenomenal. The head and not the tail. Loan and not borrow. Not just your basket, but your storehouse. The storehouse is your church. Your storehouse is blessed. Your basket is blessed. Your seed, your fruit, your children are blessed. That word blessed means to be envied, highly favored, promoted, special, special. When a young man goes to a young lady's dad and asks for that hand in marriage, and he should, regardless of how old he is, just common courtesy. I just want you to know right now, I'm going to say no. So there you have it. When, when, when Pastor Ron and I felt like that we wanted to live our, live our life together because of the relationship, the communication, when we dated, I was a contractor, and uh, she was a high school senior. She lived in Ontario with Ontario Motor Speedway for the first time the, uh, a, a car went the quarter mile in four seconds, and I was there. Really cool day. Ontario and I lived in Long Beach. I lived around the ocean. She lived kind of in the foothills. We dated every night. I had a little six or seven Mustang. I'd run back and forth, a little hot rod. I'd leave her. I'd go home. I'd get in bed, and I'd call her. And we'd talk. And we'd talk about the stupidest, silliest, non-important things. And then I realized got 30 guys working for me. I got to be on the job tomorrow. I got a material there. I got to have a truck. I got to have a chainsaw there. And I would say, I love you. I want you to say goodnight. She said, I love you more. You say goodnight first. I said, you say goodnight. We got to go. And I promise you, we would lay there and I would wake up at two o'clock in the morning, still on the phone. Are you there? Yeah. Why do you hang up? You hang up first. I know, I know that's silly. I know that's silly. But the communication was there. The relationship was there. Some, all, all the areas of why you get married were there. And so she said, you know, you're going to have to ask my dad for my hand in marriage. And those of you that know Cecil, he's a wonderful, incredible guy. At that time, he was the overseer of several hundred pastors and a little, little strict, a little more staunch than he is now. And he knew I was coming. Well, I didn't know he knew I was coming. I already won the mom. I gave her all kinds of gifts. Remember that cool clock that thing spun around, paid a lot of money? Her mom loved me. I mean, her mom wanted me to marry, to marry her daughter. But Dad, when I said, Mr. Giles, something to talk to you about, he hit the paper. And he never looked at me. He never, he never, he just kept jiggling the paper. But then he said, you have my blessing. Cannot tell you how I felt, and now that I look back later, what that meant. It meant that he was saying, Your people are my people. Your problems are my problems. Your blessing is my blessing. And where you go, I go. And what you encounter, I will encounter. And we will be in this together. You have my blessing. Nothing changes. When God blesses us, he's saying, your problems are now my problems. And if you'll leave them alone, I'll fix them.
your financial challenges are now my financial challenges. I'm rich. You're broke. Let me provide. You got a sickness in your body. My son paid for all sicknesses. The supply of strife. Every enemy of yours is my enemy. And I will dash your enemy to pieces. No tongue shall rise up against you. I will condemn, saith the Lord. And when you're at war, I won't pull you from the battle, but I will be your armor. I will be your sword. I will be your weapon. I will be your courage. I will be your strength. I will be your defense. You won't win every battle, but you will win the war because you have my blessings. Didn't bring us this far to leave us. Didn't teach us to swim to let us drown. Didn't build his home in us to move away. Didn't lift us up to let us down. As every head is bowed, as every eye is closed. You're here today and you've wandered away from the blessings of the Lord. And you're operating the 54 verses of cursing. Things are not going right. There's bondage. There's financial struggle. There's a mental struggle. Every area of your life seems to be a pocket that the enemy has his hand in, taking from you, robbing you, stealing your joy, stealing your destiny. And you've been circling this mountain long enough. It's time for you to either speak to your mountain and cast in the sea or climb it. When Caleb climbed his mountain 40 years later, there were five giants he had to defeat, and the word says he killed them all. Climb your mountain or level your mountain. That's your call. Every head bowed, every eye closed. You've been disqualified. You've been cheated. You're operating in curse, not in blessing. You haven't set yourself apart. You're not sanctified. But today is a day. Today is a day. Today you declare my mountain will be removed. Or I'll be given the tools to climb it. I will conquer my mountain. God will help me. I will stop taking the blessings of the Lord for granted. I will stop taking the manna and the quail and the water for granted. But I'll begin to eat where God has planted me. I will flourish where I am planted. And I'll be established and I will grow. And I will accomplish great things. Because God has declared it. If that's where you're at this morning, just put your hands. Just stick them up put them right back down. Yes, 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 yes. We used to sing a song in Sunday school.